If you have your Bibles, would you go to the book of James? I want to greet everybody, say thank you for being here. Um, announcements are getting long because it's that season of lots of activities, lots of stuff going on. If you missed anything, again, use the QR code on the back of your seats. If you're brand new, it's a way to check in with us. We've got a gift after the service for you. Uh, let you know our calendar, um, Christmas candlelight dates, all of those things. I, I'm stoked about it. Uh, we're in a series called the Book of James. I guess I should have introduced myself if there are new people here. My name is Dave. I'm the pastor, and I just am so stoked that you're worshiping with us. And we are in this series on the Book of James. We just started it last week, and if you have not gotten what, I would encourage you to go on Amazon buy a scripture journal for the book of James. It will cost you around $6.99, $7.99. And I'm a firm believer in scripture journals. That's how I do my own devotions. You get a blank side for journaling, scripture side for highlighting and circling and writing. Not crossing out, by the way. Don't please don't cross the scripture out. Uh, but we, that's how I go through books of the Bible. And I think James is a great book for you to go through. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? Up, down, up, down, up, down. I say getting our steps in, but he didn't step at all. Getting our up-downs in here. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. What a great way to start out. Last week we started out with persecution scattering the church. Now, count it joy when you meet trials. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother and his exaltation and be rich in his humiliation because he's like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises in its scorching heat and withers the grass and flowers fall and its beauty perishes, so will be the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brothers. For every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, of his own will... He has brought forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Lord, let your word be like seed upon soil when it hits our hearts, when it hits our minds, that we would be transformed, that we would be made into not the image of what we want to be, but into who you want us to be. We have come to meet with you, and we don't want to walk away from this, this place the same way that we have walked in. So let your word speak. Because we're ready to listen, we are ready to obey. And Lord, I pray by your will that the lions will beat the chargers. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Make sure you give someone an awkward high five before you're seated. God bless my lions. Super Bowl every year. You know, it, 
I've said this for years whenever I've taught on marriage. Uh, dating is a lie. Because how many of you know you get married and your first day of marriage you discovered stuff that nobody really told you about the other person, including what the other person never told you about themselves? But also, we have lying that can go on on Sunday mornings. Because we could put up facades and we could shine up our lives and we don't ever show our true selves. Like, this is who I really am. Exactly. <laughs> see, somebody's going to be their vulnerable self over here. But if you want to see the true individual, you want to see what they're really like, play a board game with them. We, we get invited over to a lot of homes, and the other night we went over somebody's house, and we played a game, and I saw sides of individuals I've never seen before. I mean, I see that in my family. Like, some of you, you, you look at our family, and, and I've had people think of certain things, like, your kids are just so very quiet, like, your son never speaks. Play the game of life. There are sides of our family that you think that we need therapy and or intervention when it comes to the game of life. Or one of our favorite games right now is called Terraform Mars. Strategy game that for some reason, it takes like three to four hours to play, and we always start at around 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Why, we do not understand. Like the other night, I'm like, okay, it's like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Should we play Terraform Mars? Ethan's like, it's not time yet. No, it's not time. We're not exhausted yet. But something about playing a game... You get to see who is this person really. If you don't believe me, pull Monopoly out whenever you invite people over. You will hear words come out of their mouth you've never heard before. Spirits manifest. They will leave your home and never friend you ever again. Uh, unfriend you on social media. It's amazing what board games will do. But when we talk about the subject of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 18, this is actually the board game, so to speak, of the entire book. This is, if there's anything that reveals the true character and the true metal of who somebody is, is it not trials and temptations? Like we can be something and show ourselves to be something, but when somebody goes through a trial, and trial is a word that Scripture uses, it's a word we use in the church, maybe a better word is troubles. When you go through troubles in life, you go through temptations in life, you really see the true person for who they are. You see their faith or lack thereof. You see their joy or lack thereof. You see their patience or lack thereof. And so James brings this up because why? As we said last week, James is ministering to a church that can no longer meet together. Sounds like 2020 hit the church of Jerusalem. And this church is no longer allowed to meet. Why? Because persecution is set in. James chapter 1, verse 1. This is the word to a scattered church. They have scattered to the known world and they've scattered around. They have been persecuted, pushed away. And so James begins to pin out this letter and he sends it out to all of the different pockets of this church to help encourage them, to help them to live for Jesus in a very tough world. The, uh, to me, James is a perfect epistle for all of us in 2023 here in America. And he's pastoring a church that can't meet. And so he begins to write to them to start encouraging them how to practically live out the scriptures. Um, I, I saw a pastor a few weeks ago. He tweeted out that practical sermons are the bane of my existence. I'm like, oh, I think I want some practice. I want depth, but I want to know how to get the rubber to meet the road. 
James, I think, is the best at doing that. And so that's why we get to verse 2 and 3, because before he gets into temptations, he starts talking about trials, and he says this, Count it all joy in some of your scriptures. Count it joy when you go through trials, when you meet trials. And it doesn't say just a couple, but trials of various kinds. What are trials? These are troubles that happen to us that we did not plan on. Sometimes we can plan on it. For example, when you lie to your parents, plan on a trial. One parent, amen me. All the other teenagers are going to think they're going to get away with stuff. I'm here to say, the Holy Spirit tells mom everything. The most sensitive people in the church, the Holy Spirit, are moms. They know how to hear from the Lord and hear from everybody. They will find you. They have a particular set of skills. All right, I'm not going to get into that. But trials are the things that happen to us. And generally, we don't have a choice about when they hit us. They seem to come out of nowhere. They hit our marriage. They hit our parenting. They hit us at work. They hit us outside of work. Something hits our home. Something hits uh, their extended family. Something hits us financially. Something hits us in, in, in the sense of um, our physical health, our emotional health. Trials, we don't always ask for them. Has anybody here ever prayed, God, send me a trouble, send me a trial? Please don't raise up your hand because that's odd. Trials. But I'm here to say that when you're ready to do something for the Lord, and this is the context, the pioneering church, this church is pioneering the gospel. They are the brand new church, the Jerusalem church. This is the headquarters of the church, and they're being scattered. And so Paul, Paul, James is trying to help them to understand that when you are ready to blaze a trail, you have to expect a trial. If you are going to do anything for Jesus, if you're going to live for Jesus, walk in the calling of Jesus upon your life, do anything for the Lord. When you're ready to pioneer a trail, always expect a trial. Because the enemy is not going to relinquish territory without kickback. He's going to give you trials. And I've had people that have come to me and have talked to me in counseling for years. I get messages all the time that they have a wrong theology when it comes to trials and troubles. Because there are some of you in this room, you grew up in a theology that said that if you go through troubles and you face trials in your life, most likely you deserve it because you did something bad because God would never let anything bad ever happen to us ever. Listen, Jesus has saved us from our sins, not from experiencing trials. He has redeemed us. He has saved us. But we still live in a broken world full of humans, full of, full of just brokenness and, and things that aren't right and things, some things are right. But in the sense of, of what this world is, this world was never meant to be our home to begin with. And so there's a lot of things that sin has had its effect upon the world. And part of that is the brokenness that we all have to endure every single day. And then when we go through this broken world, we have to expect that trials will come our way. And so James writes to the church and he says, listen, troubles will come of various kinds, but there's, it's okay. Because the thing that, they, that you thought was there to break you can be the thing that actually makes your faith. In fact, I wrote it this way. God wants to use trials to mature us. He wants to use trials to mature us. How does this happen? I think first you've got to get the perspective of God. You've got to get God's perspective. I mean, look, verse 2, count it all joy. One translation says, consider it joy. When you go through troubles, who are these people? You know what these people are? These are CrossFit people. Have you ever met CrossFit people? They're psychotic. Because 
I mean, has anybody ever done CrossFit to begin with? Everybody, anybody just tried it once? How many of you went back? All your hands went all down. Yeah, I get it, well, except for one precious man over here, goodness gracious. But CrossFit people, they are psychotic because they're like, man, I can't wait to go sweat, to bleed, to hurt. It's going to be amazing. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do CrossFit on the other side of the room. But the reason why these people are so into it is because they, they embrace the process because they know the product. And then when we look at trials, we recognize that J James was like, you don't have a choice when you go through trials, but you have a choice about your attitude and your reaction to the trial. And some of us are so bent about what we are facing, not recognizing that whatever we face, we've got the Spirit of God within our lives, which means that if we endure, we can look at it not as the thing to break us, but the thing to mature our faith. I'm here to say that a faith that is not tested is not faith at all. And so we got to get to the place where we recognize we're going to face things, but we can consider it joy. Not that I'm joyful that I'm going to go through it, but if I endure, if I lean in and allow the Spirit of God to work in my life, regardless of what I face, I know there is victory on the other side, and I can mature in my faith. And to do that, we also have to trust the process that God takes us to. Trust the process. Philadelphia 76ers fans. Trust the process. You used to hear that over and over from the 76ers, and they have done nothing. But with the Lord, we do got to trust the process. That when we go through trials, we have to recognize we may not feel God, but we know that God is with us. We may not see where God is working. It doesn't mean God's not working. Sometimes we don't see Him in the fore scene. We, we know He's in the back scenes. He's working. We know God is constantly working, uh, working around us. I mean, this is why whenever I've, I've talked with uh, teenagers, I've talked with young adults, the thing that I try not to do is this. When I was your age, I try not to go there. I'm starting to do that now. But there are times that I, I want to talk to a child, I want to talk to a teenager, I want to talk to a young adult. I sat with uh, 10 uh, pastors or soon-to-be pastors uh, yesterday for about five or six hours doing some teaching, some such, on the east side. And, just, and they started asking questions about, okay, when you were our age, when you did this, when, when you started in ministry, there's just something about talking to somebody that's not in that position yet where you want them to trust that if you endure, if you lean into the pain, if you embrace the strain, if you push past what you think your capacity is, there's something deeper that God has in store for you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we have to become and be a multi-generational church. We need all the generations. And I'm here to say this. Uh, this I'll get on my little tiny soapbox here. I am so tired of Generation Z and millennials getting so much flack and people saying things about them that are so negative. I think they're some of the greatest generations this world has. I truly believe in the next generation. And if I people say, well, that gen those generations, they don't want the older generations. I would argue with you, Gen Xers, which is me, and our boomers, they want it, but they want relationship. They don't want somebody standing over them just like, just go do this. They want to step into relationship. That's why when we greet people, or that's why when we release uh, church and you guys are walking this way, before you run out the door, meet people from multiple generations. Why? Because we need people that when they're going through trial, that they can have enough relationship to say, hey, when you were in my stage, when you were in my place, what did you do? Because when we come together as the body of Christ, it helps our faith grow together. Because we live life with not all the information at our disposal. Pastor, you don't know my news channel. I have all of the information at my disposal. We live life on, on limited information. 
And we need each other and we need the community of Christ to help grow our faith. Because when we go through trials, our faith can be matured by our trials. And we have to trust God in the process to help us. Because what it will ultimately do is if we trust God, our trials are not the things that will drive us from Jesus. They'll actually drive us closer to Jesus. Man, don't... Don't you realize how much we need Jesus every single day? I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When you're in a painful moment, and you're in a troubled moment, this is the moment where God shouts to you, don't miss this chance. To get closer to me. Some of y'all, some of you have realized that some of the hardest moments of your life, when you've come out on the other side, how many of you have come to the place where you realize, on the other side, how close God actually got to you? <sighs> Generations, this is why we need each other. To encourage each other. To say, I've been there. I understand. Don't give up. Because he's still with you. And we have the God that we can ask for help. James gets practical. James says in verse 5, if any of you need wisdom during that trial, now wisdom is not the same thing as smarts. Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. I've known people with a lot of knowledge but zero wisdom. Some of you know those people. Stop pointing at people, but you know those people. You can just know about it. Don't point at people. But James says, if any of you needs wisdom, wisdom doesn't change the trial, by the way. It actually changes you to go through the trial. The trial. And James says, if you're going through it, ask, and God will give. What's the word there? Generously. Do you know what generously means? It literally means in the Greek language, with an open hand. God gives with an open hand. You know, when I think of open hands, I think of M&Ms. You want to know how to make friends? I pull out of your pocket M&M's and shake it. And what do people do? Oh, yeah, look at all of you. I need, who likes M&M's? You like M&M's, Raina? Come on up. Yes. Is there any other Raina in the place? Raina, wait, was this your first year on cheerleading squad? Her, she made the Portage Central cheerleading squad this year. All right, you want M&M's? You have to ask me first. May I That's good parenting right there. <laughs> yes, I will give you M&M's. You ready? <laughs> now, my guess is you're not going to be able to share them because you're touching all of them right now. But I want to tell you something, and I'm going to make a stand right there. Come back here a little bit, because these people can't see you over here. <laughs> and your future husband could be over there, so I want to make sure you can turn a little bit. <laughs> One thing that I loved about what you did, and there's something I'm so proud of you. Because first of all, you asked, may I please? And I said yes. And the reason why I'm so proud is you did not hand me one hand. You open up both hands. Some of you, you ask God for something, and you offer up one hand, 
the rest of them you can have after service as well. <laughs> can you give Rena a big hand? Rena, sorry. Listen, some of y'all, some of y'all ask God for something in prayer, and you do it like this. What I love about Raina, she asked, and she went like this. When you ask God, it says, he gives generously with an open hand. He just, he will pour it out. So when we call out to God, and when you're in a trial, when you're going through a trial, we don't have to be, God, is it okay if I can have a little bit of peace? Can I have a little bit of help? Can I have a little bit of healing? You know what we can do? God, I need you. Here I am, God. Pour it out. That's the type of God we serve. And that's what's so beautiful. Because he says, we can ask for help. And then when we ask for help, he says, stand firm in your faith. Verse number six. Let him ask with faith without doubting. Stand firm. Their, your faith is your covenant with God. Stand firm in your covenant. Because if not, you become what he calls a double-minded man. You know what a great, a great image of a double-minded man is this? Some of you are waiting for me to slip on an M&M right now. Best illustration ever. You know what a double-minded person looks like? It's, have you ever been in a pool with like your grandkids, your nieces, nephews, your kids, whatever, and you're standing only five feet away from the edge of the pool, you're standing in the pool, and you're, they're standing, and you're just holding your arms out saying, just jump. Just jump. I'm right here. Jump. And that child, instead of like, they start doing this, and what do they do? They stick their foot in, and all of a sudden they start kind of leaning in there, and then they start holding onto the edge, and they start reaching out. How many times have we asked God for something, but we're so busy holding on to other things because we won't let go and just simply trust in Him? <laughs> to the 12 of you that agree, that's wonderful. Let me encourage you with this. I speak this prophetically over you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is more precious than mere gold, so that when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor in the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Your trials are not there to break you. They will make your faith genuine. Genuine. And then all of a sudden, the gear shifts. And he goes from trials, and he starts talking through temptation. Trials, God uses to mature us. Temptation is what the devil uses to destroy us. Verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He and he tempts no one. Some of y'all think God is the one messing with you. And listen, there's a devil who hates your guts. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. And every time he sees you, he sees the, the image of the one who threw him out of heaven. He wants to destroy your life. And temptation, while trials may happen to us, temptation is what happens inside of us. Well, pastor, the temptation's on that computer. Listen, there's something that can be on the computer, but the temptation happens in here. And I want you to understand that we all have a choice in what to do with temptation. All of us. See, temptation is not an obstacle in your road. It is a fork in the road. It is a crossroads that's there. I love the words of John Tyson. I love listening to John Tyson. He says, temptation pushes us in one of two directions. More than human or less than human. 
Gods are animals, so that rules don't apply to us. In other words, temptation pushes us to think, I can handle whatever because I'm strong enough, therefore I don't need God, I don't need community, don't need my church. I'm strong enough. And we think that we're little gods. Or we just give in to temptation because that's just where our emotions are at. That's just where our feelings, this is just what I want to do. And we act like animals and without any type of guard. And it just destroys us. And we have to understand that there is a pathway of temptation. What I want to give you, I want you to write four things down. And I get this out of James chapter uh, 1 verses four, uh, 14 through 15. There's a pathway of temptation. First of all, there's what we call deception. Deception. It starts out like in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 where the enemy comes and he says things like, did God really say not to do that? And we begin to take our eyes off of God. We begin to look around. And we begin to say to ourselves, okay, did God really tell me not to do that? But that would kind of feel good to do that. Maybe my way is better. And so deception begins to be the soil that temptation grows in that leads us to desire. Desire is not the action of sin, but it's the enticement. It's like the bait on the hook. Lust, greed, all of a sudden, you know, just click on it. Those type of hooks, all of a sudden we get ourselves to the place where desire begins to consume our hearts and begins to lure us away where we haven't actually done the issue, but the desire is starting to pull our hearts in that direction, which leads toward disobedience, the act of sin itself. And if we don't get control, disobedience has a desire to lead us into one direction, death. What does temptation want to do? It wants to start with deception, to go to desire, to go to disobedience, and go to death. Pastor, you're saying it's going to kill me physically? It's possible, depending upon the thing. But the reality is sin wants to kill, or temptation wants to kill your marriage. It wants to kill your relationship with your children. It wants to kill your relationship with your friendships and your parents and with the people around you. It wants to kill your faith. It wants to kill your joy when it comes to worship, when it comes to entering in. It wants to kill your focus. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He's not here to play games. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And the problem is, is we're not taking sin seriously. In this world, in our Christianity in today's day and age, we play too many games with sin. And I'm here to say, stop taking sin and treating it trivial. It wants to take your life. I've heard it said this way. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Every sin is an intersection. And it starts out where, well, I've got it under control, and we step out of God's control, wanted to do our thing. But I think the way out of temptation starts us with us being real about our weaknesses. See, the way out of temptation is not to show how strong you are, it's to show how much we actually need the Lord. That's why James says in verse 16, do not be deceived. My brothers, my sisters, don't be deceived. Why? Who is he saying this to? He's saying this to the church. He's not saying this to the world. He's saying this to the church. In other words, any one of us could fall into temptation. Any one of us. And if you ever think you're beyond temptation, I'm here to give you a warning. You are in a very bad place to be. Because even Jesus went through temptation. But I want you to see that when we are tempted, there's two things I want you to see. Number one is that when we are tempted, it can actually be an offensive weapon used for us. What do you mean? Pastor, when the devil's tempting me, but that's an offensive weapon against him. Absolutely. Why? Because you can actually see the enemy's plan against your life. 
Some of you see it, but that's a weapon against me. You can actually wield it and say, if you're attacking me with lust, I know what to avoid now. Thank you, devil, for reminding me now what I can avoid. Well, you're, te you're tempting me with this. Well, devil, now I can stay away from that. Now I can step away from that. We can actually use it in our, in our gain by looking at it and say, if the enemy's coming at me with that, now I know exactly what to avoid, what to, what to, what to shore up, where to get accountability, we can see his plan. And secondly, we can use it as a te the temptation, as a target for growth. You don't have to weather the storm of temptation. You can leverage to see that if the enemy, you're attacking me with this, I'm going to start growing in that. I'm going to start studying that in Scripture. I'm going to talk to my table uh, members about that. I'm going to seek out accountability about that. I'm going to seek counsel about that. I'm going to start undergirding myself in that area. And where instead of just weathering the storm, we can utilize that to begin to build our faith to go further. The scripture says in verse 17, because he is a God of light. What does that mean? It means in the darkest of the places that we go to or that show their face, He is the God of light that can illuminate every single moment. You're going through the darkness of temptation, call out to the God of lights. You're walking through dark valleys, call out to the God of lights. And He can meet you there. I want to give someone a good word today. Pastor Livy, if you join me. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. There's a key part right there. Because some of you think you're going through something that nobody else has ever gone through. Have you, has anybody ever felt that way besides me? You feel like you're the only one to go through it. God says, look, it's common, but here's the kicker. But God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Listen, we do have to recognize there are some things that have happened just because of normal life. And there's other things that we've invited into our lives. There's a difference between I'm going through temptation and I've invited temptation. And, and why would God position me? I, I started looking at this on the internet. I started diving into this. And I thought God would give me a way out. I'm like, well, well, bro, you opened up the door yourself. God will give you the way out, but we can't. Why add in more of what we already get? And God says that when you're going through it, He will provide a way. He will provide a way. Well, Pastor, what will the way be? Here, I'm going to make it this simple. Follow Jesus. Because He will not allow your temptation to be greater than your ability to withstand it. Let me get practical today. When it comes to temptation, here we go. Let's make it ultra practical. Number one, avoid the situation. If there's areas of temptation, avoid it. Oh, Pastor, it's at work. That there's going to be there's going to be some boundaries and accountability that you've got to set up. And there's some situations that are hard to avoid, and that's where accountability has to come into play. Well, Pastor Dave, what do you mean accountability? That means you need to start meeting people. You need to start developing community and finding people that you can trust that are going to be godly that can speak into your life and over your life, especially being objective. Number two, counter with the word. One of the most common things I hear from people is, Pastor, could you give me some scriptures about this area? My thing is. I want you to go to the scriptures. It's easy for me to give you a scripture as a little prescription, but I want you to dive into the word because when you arm yourself with the word, that word becomes a weapon of warfare in your life. Number three, get healthy friendships. What's powerful about being in community is you can use vulnerability to dismantle what the enemy is trying to accomplish. 
I had a friend of mine call me, and he, and he was dealing with some temptations, and he calls me up, and he's like, he's like I, I know that you've got a busy life. I know you've got this going on, that going on, but could you check in with me once a week whenever the Holy Spirit puts you on my heart? And, and just ask me these questions. And I'm like, absolutely. So I put it on my calendar that every, this day I'm going to contact, this day I'm going to contact, this day I'm going to call, this day, day I'm going to text. And I was talking to him this past week. He says, he says, Dave, I haven't had a lick of temptation over the past two weeks. I'm like, praise God. I'm going to still keep going on. Why? Because the enemy works in isolation. God works in community. And lastly, commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. I love what chapter 18, uh, verse 18 says. In the New Living, that He, Jesus, chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. And this morning, I don't know what you're dealing with, and I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to say that going through trials and temptations is not easy. But when you're doing it on the wrong side of the cross, it is actually the hardest thing to do. What do I mean by that? Because if you're trying to navigate trials and temptations without Jesus, I don't know how you're making it. But coming to the other side of the cross where you've asked for Christ to come into your life and you've committed your life to Jesus, you've got access to power and might and joy and peace more than you've ever asked or imagined. But He's there. And I end with this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I want to encourage somebody today. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what creation? A new creation. The what has passed? Old has passed. The new has come. Let me encourage you with something. The enemy can only fight against old creation. Why? Because that's where his power rests. If he can get you to resort to the way you used to live apart from Christ, he's got power. But when you've given your life to Jesus, you are a new creation. He's got no power in that. So when you're going through trials, you're going through tribulations, you're going through temptation, don't go back to the way it used to be and fight the way it used to be. Lean into Jesus. Why? Because we can't do this without Him. Well, I've heard it before. Pastor, Jesus is just a crutch to you. Absolutely He is. Because I can't do this without him. You can't do this without him. And I got the sneaky suspicion that I've got people in the room that maybe you're here today and you're just going through trials. Maybe you're going through temptation. I was going to get a, a bucket of water, but I thought I was going to make a big enough mess already. And I was going to dip my towel in there because what is a trial? A trial is when you just feel like you're being wrung out. Temptation is just feel like you're being stretched. And I don't know if that's you today, but I am here to say you don't have to deal with this on your own. That Jesus wants to meet you in that place. Prayer team, would you come forward? Prayer team, if you would just come forward. And now I've gone over by a couple minutes here. But I felt led just to Make some prayer time available. Pastor Olivia's just going to play softly. And she'll have to sing loud without a microphone over there. But if you're here today, and this is going to take a little bit of bravery, because this is not easy to get up 
and to admit, hey, I'm going through one of those. But if you're here and you're going through a trial in your life, maybe it's going on in your marriage. Maybe you're a young adult and you're just going through some struggles right now, some troubles. Or maybe today you're just dealing with temptation. And I'd rather lump those together because I recognize when it comes to temptation that when we answer that response that it immediately we're thinking, okay, other people are going to think it's this or it's that. We're just saying this this morning. If you're dealing with trials and temptations this morning, one or the other, and you're just done dealing with it on your own and you need prayer today. Maybe the trial is something physical. Maybe the temptation is something that you've never uttered to anybody else. I'm not asking you to come to spill the beans. I'm asking you to come forward just to simply go to one of these prayer partners and say, I need some help and I need prayer. If you want to share, you're, will, you're open to share. But if you need prayer, would you come? I was going to have heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just forget that. We're family this morning. You need prayer. You're going through a trial. You're going through temptation. Would you just get up out of your seat and just come forward? Trials and temptations. You're just going through trials and temptations. We can ask God open-handedly. We can ask. If you need to grab your spouse, grab your spouse. Come on up. If you need to grab a friend because you don't want to walk alone, come on up. If you need healing, come on up. You need guidance, come on up. You feel lost, come on up. Could we do this? Could we pray over these individuals right now? Could we just fill this place with prayer? Turn this into a furnace room of prayer? Holy Spirit, we pray in this moment that you would meet individuals right where they're at. Lord, I don't know what the situation looks like. I don't understand what everybody's going through, but this is one thing I do know. That the place of our struggle can become one of our greatest strengths because of how you can meet us in that place and take us into our journey stronger, a fortified faith, wiser, filled, blessed, healed, restored, and transformed, not because of anything that we've done, but because of the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so, Lord, what I do is I speak over individuals now watching online or here at this, in this room, God, that you would just meet us in our place of need. Because we know we go through the darkest of the valleys of our life that we don't have to fear anything. Because you are with us in these moments. And you don't abandon us, you walk us through. You cheer us on. You give us strength to keep going through the journey. That God, we understand that sometimes going to you, it doesn't rescue us out of the trial, but it brings us into it, God, to continue to walk us through until the end. And Lord, we speak over every rough season, believing that the season of struggle, in hindsight, will become the thing that we recognize built their faith and brought them to a place where you grew them and transformed them. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we speak that over one and all, and we speak that in Jesus' name, and everyone said.